Hello and welcome to the Divine Renovation Podcast. My name is Dan O'Rourke and I'm in studio with a couple of great guys today. So Ron Huntley, good to see you, brother. Good to be back. And Father Simon, first time in our new studio. Welcome. This is amazing. I, I can't get over it. It's like being in an airport hangar. Well, our goal was to make the studio as big as St. Benedict Parish. So. Okay. Well, we're close. We're close. We're working on it. Eh? We'll just put a few pews in here, and this might be where the next homily is. So look, guys, we're in, uh, we're in September. September has a reputation, at least in Canada, as being a rather busy month. Are you finding yeah. it that way, Ron? I am finding it that way, and it's fun coaching into the churches as well, because you know, you you do the most planning you can over the summer to get ready, but you're never fully ready for the craziness of a brand new ministry season. And mm. so we're all struggling to catch up and do our best and be a little better than we were last year. So, Father Simon, you are, um, you're, as you as you lead St. Benedict Parish, I imagine this is a time of great relaxation because... <laughs> because I've got so many amazing people. Yeah, You've got so many, and we're going to be bringing one of them on later. We're going to be bringing on the guy who's doing all the work while you rest, Father Alex. <laughs> Yeah, well, as I as I typically say, you know, the the job of an assistant priest is to assist the pastor. Yeah, but an associate priest is uh, he does all the work. <laughs> so <laughs> no, so in all seriousness, though, Saint Benedict must be absolutely buzzing right now. It is full on. I will say that. I think uh, Kate's favorite term is nut bar, so I'll, <laughs> I'll use that one too. It's uh, you know, as much as you try to brace yourself for it, like you're mm. saying, Ron. It's always September is September. You can't do anything about it, and it's it's busy. I mean, I I feel like I've been wall to wall just with meetings and with phone calls and with we're into crucial conversations and right. everything. It is, and I think people come out of the woodwork. They they take a rest uh, over the summer, and then yep. you know the complaints department, the suggestions department, all of that stuff. Just it's full throttle. <laughs> so I know St. Benedict Parish because we're in Canada. Um, we we don't run Alpha typically in the summer because everyone's at the beach. Uh, it's a Canadian norm. Everyone, <laughs> instead of going to, to, to church during the weekdays, they go to the beach during the weekdays. But now that... now that They wear their wetsuits at yeah, the beach <laughs> they wear in, in Canada. Yeah. The, the, wet, the water's pretty cold in Nova Scotia. Uh, so, but now, now we're into the fall, which must mean Alpha. It sure does. So tell me where we are with Alpha. So right after Labor Day, so that's the first weekend uh, in September, right after that, the next two weekends were, we called it Ready or Not. And that was our preaching series. And basically, it was an alpha launch. It was the kickoff. Yep. And so what we've been doing for many years, long before I arrived, uh, before an alpha season, we would have two weeks in a row where we'd have live witnesses at the masses. And so uh, we're blessed this year. We've got so many. So we actually had two and two. So a total of four people over these last couple of weeks sharing. And Ron, I should oh. get you to, to speak to... You were, you were sitting in the pew one week and... Just oh, really amazed, touched. amazed. Both times the stories were so compelling, so genuine and honest and just life transformation. And it's so fun because I often say Jesus is in the life transformation business, so his church should be as well. Mm -hmm. And when you hear stories like that, it really reminds you about what the most important thing is. And it was so good. And in fact, for any of our listeners, our viewers, I would say go to the live stream from St. Benedict and watch... The homilies were amazing, too, by the way. Uh, and I say that seriously because you guys have gotten really good at teeing up this whole culture of invitation. Mm. And, and it's not something that's intuitive. And so if people are trying to figure out how do we do this well, I really would say watch those homilies and how it led into the testimonies because I believe it, it, I don't know if it could have been done better. 
I was really inspired, and uh, I, I, it never gets old. So for those who, who haven't seen a, a testimony or a witness at St. Benedict Parish Father's Time, how does it work? Like, like, are you bringing them up at the beginning of the Mass, at the announcements at the end? Where are they showing up? So after the homilies, typically when we do it, mm-hmm. so we'll give a, a full homily. We, I mean, we try to trim it down for a few minutes. I think both Father Alex and I had an epic fail on the, the trimming of the homily. But not, not as much trimming as was planned. <laughs> not as much, yeah. <laughs> but, but in any case, so giving a full message based on, on the readings and, and our theme and, and trying to link it all together. And then towards the end of it, inviting somebody up. Now, our, our Lady Tanya, who is leading our Alpha, she has worked with these people ahead of time to prepare their witness so that it's, it's tight, it's clear. And, and I have to say this year, just spot on exactly the things you want to hear. People expressing their struggle with, hey, I resisted Alpha. I didn't want to go for all these reasons. And then I finally gave in. Or, uh, you know, one lady sharing her story. This is, this is just the process working right. She approached us uh, about a year ago or so wanting to get her little one baptized. That's her. And, I heard the story. I didn't know that and was her. she is not a Catholic. She's married to a Catholic who's not practicing. And yet she just felt like baptism was the right thing to do, as so often is the case. And uh, Carol, who happens to be our, our key volunteer, uh, serving in ministry uh, in our baptism prep, she's, she's kind of the gatekeeper, if you will, the front end when people inquire about baptism prep. Carol just lovingly came alongside her and said, listen, uh, I know that you're asking for baptism. Uh, you know, maybe in different words, ultimately what you're really asking for is Jesus. And so I would invites you to try something called Alpha. And so last, uh, I think it was last spring, during the daytime, there was, it just so happened, a group of moms, all with young infants, happened to be on the same Alpha together. (laughs) And talk about life transformation. All of them blown away. Uh, They've started their own mom's group and they're they're just supporting each other they i saw a slideshow they created the other day it was it was beautiful and and so she is now witnessing uh to all that's happened to her on alpha she has not she herself the mom has not yet become catholic but she's beginning the rcia process and God willing, so even though next she wasn't Easter. Catholic, she was up giving a witness on Absolutely. Sunday? Absolutely. That's beautiful. Ron, help me understand. I'm <laughs> so excited. Because you know what that is? That's the difference between running Alpha as a course and running Alpha as a culture. When you have key volunteers who see the value mm. and how Alpha can be leveraged as a tool to bring somebody to Christ, that they're not necessarily, she's been on the Alpha team, Carol, before, for a long time, helping me out with a lot of different things. But here she, she gets it. And when you get it and you see an opportunity, you can link those two things and change somebody's life. That's the benefit and value of running Alpha as a culture versus a course. And I'm just so excited. So, Ron, help me understand, why is it important that we actually have those live testimonies at Mass? Mm. Uh, Because there's all sorts of ways that you could do it. You could shove a a testimony into a bulletin, as if, for instance, or you could maybe send out a short email. But, you know, Father Simon is is, Mm. is bringing them into the parish. Why do you see that as important? And, and I think they're all important, you know, because the Benedictus, the monthly newsletter, does have the written testimonies as well as part of a lot of that. But, you know, something Father Pat, and he was with us last week on the podcast, he said to me years ago, and it actually changed my life. I was really frustrated at one point because I just had this burning desire to tell people about Christ, but I didn't really know how to do it very well. And one day I was in his kitchen, we we're having a tea together, and I looked at him and I said, I wish I had your caller so that when I talked about Jesus, people listened. And he thought for a minute, And he said, you know what? Sometimes I wish I wore your tie. 
so that when I talked about Jesus, people didn't think I was doing it because that's how I make my living. Mm. He said, Ron, you're just like them. And when you talk about Jesus, people can relate to you. And that's why we have testimonies. You know, it's not one or the other. It's one and the other. And I think as we, as, as baptized Christians, begin to recognize our story matters, and as we begin to develop a church where people's stories are valued and there's platforms that we can speak into them and people can get better at delivering them, we're going to change the world. Amen. Wow, that's powerful. One thing I just want to add, because I, I love this time of year so much, and, and I don't realize it, uh, but until it comes, that this is our why. We exist to bring people into relationship with Jesus as a church, as a Catholic church. That's our number one job, and all the other stuff is there to support it and sustain mm-hmm. people who are living that relationship with Christ. And so for me, you know, over the summer, different ways, trying to keep the fire burning. And we tried beta. We've talked about that and just a a nice little innovation. But uh, I have to say it does something to me every time a new alpha is starting up because that whole invitational piece uh, is so real and at the forefront. I realized, oh, yeah, I myself, yeah, I'm the pastor. I can delegate it off to other people to be inviting, but I have to be in the game. I have to be inviting. So I was out the other day uh, at, at Home Depot buying some blinds. I wanted to put up some blinds in my, in my room and uh, talking to the guy. And as I happened to be wearing my collar and he asked me, are you some kind of minister? What? I'm like, well, I'm a priest. And, and I'm explaining it to him. And, and so eventually he, he, he was just beautifully open and, and unaware, really. And I said, listen, you've got some great questions. There's this thing we're doing just down the street. I think... And, and he'd actually been to St. Benedict once for a funeral, as it turns out. <laughs> right. I said, we're doing this thing. It's called Alpha. It's a great way to bring your questions and, and just have discussions and, and learn. Uh, and I'd like to invite you to come. And so he just said, well, I'll consider it. Yeah, thank you. Hmm. And, and so that it. just, it always does something to me uh, that renewing that fire of, yeah, we have to be inviting. We have to be reaching out beyond the walls of the church. So, serious question. To bring people. Easy or hard for you? Like, do you find that easy or hard to, to say to, to some random guy at Home Depot, hey, <laughs> come on, come hang out with me and some friends at church? Like, like, like seriously, easy or hard? Well, it's it's not easy. It's not easy in one sense. I'm, you know, I remember uh, just being the shyest kid ever growing up, honestly. And so going out of my way to meet, you're like, yeah, right. Well, you stand in front of like hundreds and hundreds of people every Sunday uh, more than once. So, you know, it's a little hard to I've grown it. a little bit since then. But, you, but honestly, that, that would have been a disposition, you know, yeah. just kind of quiet. I'd rather not rock the boat, rather not have to get into conflict or anything. You know, you be you. I want to talk to your mom about this and, later. I'm, I'm finding this hard to believe. Keep going. <laughs> but I will say of all the the invitations i've heard father james say the exact same thing of all the things the big ask to make to say to somebody hey listen we're doing this thing we'll serve you a meal mm-hmm. we'll listen to a talk that it's really going to be relevant and then just have a conversation about it of all the things that we ask people to do and try that's it's a pretty easy ask right and all we can do is is ask and i have to say i'm, I'm excited this year I've talked to a few people, even even a few older couples who've been in the parish for a long time. One couple came up to me after hearing Father Alex's homily last mm-hmm. week and the witness and just saying, Father, I've run out of excuses. Oh, wow. and said, what do you mean? I've signed up for Alpha. 
<laughs> after all these, this is someone That's who's great. been there actually <laughs> predating the the opening of St. Benedict Parish in 2010. Oh, and, wow. And they Well, that finally, testimony, right? Like, didn't he nail it? Like, absolutely. it was just so beautiful, but he was that guy. Mm-hmm. He mm-hmm. was that guy. And he just shared how he used to be that guy, but he's not that guy anymore. And Jesus has changed his life, even though he's a lifelong Catholic. Yeah. For people listening to the podcast, they hear us talk about Alpha a lot. And you know, the funny thing is, that's exactly what we do at the parish too. So, so yeah, yeah, we talk about this a lot. And so, you know, if you feel like you're hearing the same thing from us, it's because that's exactly what we live out in the parish environment. Well, Dan, it's kind of interesting because, you know, we talk about it from the parish level, but you just came back from a meeting with Father James and you were talking to, oh, about Alpha goodness. globally. What happened there? So cool. So so I love I love the global leadership of Alpha. So for those who don't know, there's a big... Um, or Alpha is actually a ministry. It's a very large ministry. It's an international ministry. And they're, they're divided into different countries and regions. And, and there was just hundreds of employees. And what, what was so cool was the... Um, so Kitty K. Shuttleworth, who is one of the people who we invited to speak at the Divine Innovation 2018 conference, uh, and she's just an amazing, a phenomenal leader. Mm-hmm. Uh, so she, she oversees the strategy in the Catholic context, and now she actually oversees the strategy uh, writ large for, for Alpha. And Matthew Neville, who's the CEO of, of Alpha, um, they brought together all the Catholic context people from around the world. All of them? Almost all of them. There okay. was a couple. There was, I think, there was two missing that that, okay. that weren't able to make it. But but other than those two, cool. we had all these countries and regions. And it was it was. Wow. You've got it. You would not believe the stories. And 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 what it was so for me, it was so affirming. It was so inspirational because I started hearing about all these parishes and these people doing divine renovation, and 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 just how important divine renovation has been for for Alpha. It, as they try and get alphas to run successfully, they're finding that alpha runs most successfully in the context of a parish doing divine renovation or something like it. But mm-hmm. alpha, in the absence of those things, doesn't have the same kind of success. And it was just so affirming to, to hear how many people in these all these different some countries I couldn't even name. I'm, I'm embarrassed mm-hmm. to admit it. But like you know, there's countries I didn't even really know of or where I couldn't put them on a map. Mm-hmm. And here they are. They're experiencing mm-hmm. this beautiful growth and health and. Oh, it was just so exciting and such so inspirational to be with all those leaders. You know, it's interesting, you know, that one of the podcasts Father James and I did quite some time ago before we had the video podcast was How to Kill Alpha in 10 Easy Steps. And and truly, it's quite by accident that we do it. And the reason we could speak into it is because we've done them all several times. And so eventually, if you don't kill it, you learn from your mistakes. And, And so it doesn't surprise me. That Alpha, like, isn't it neat? Like, Alpha's recognizing that as we coach into leaders to really help them learn mm-hmm. how to lead out of a team and put Alpha in the context of a bigger picture, that's when it has its full and biggest Im- lasting impact in churches. That's how we go from doing it from a course to a culture. And there's a lot of nuances that you're probably not going to get. Yeah. And that's where the Divine Renovation Association with all those videos and um, here's, here's something, this will resonate with you, Ron, because it's something I, I, I think I, I picked up on over the course of, of the days I was with uh, all those folks. Uh, you know, all these different contexts, you can picture like, you know, uh, all over Europe, you know, you're dealing with France and, and the UK and, 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 and other, and all across Spain and anyways, and all Latin American countries. And then, of course, North American countries and uh, like yeah, and Asian countries, my heavens. And you know what? They're so similar. Mm-hmm. They're so similar. They're struggling with the same things. And it's like, you know, we, we, we often think we're, we're all so unique, but I don't, I'm just seeing the church, you know, it's struggling with the same things and the solutions are often the same solutions. You know, it's so true. I was just coaching and I'm laughing because I'm thinking about Deacon John in Mississippi. I was coaching into them this week and I was having that conversation, but as it related to something else, just saying how people think they're so unique. In fact, 
even in, in our own diocese, we say, oh, yeah, but that was St. Benedict. Like, people in Dartmouth would say that about <laughs> us. So we have this, this self-image of just nobody knows how hard it is or difficult it is or what we wrestle with. And, mm-hmm. and to some degree, that's true. But to a greater degree, we actually wrestle with a lot of the same things. You're right. But mm-hmm. anyway, one of the things Deacon John said as we were talking about something, he says, yeah, Ron, but before you answer that, you just have to remember how unique we are down here in Mississippi. <laughs> we just all had a good laugh. <laughs> He's always making me laugh. <laughs> so uh, the, I know that St. Benedict, I've, I've got insider knowledge, Father Simon. I've got, I've got plants inside your parish. Uh, your parish, you mean. Yeah, my parish. I've got plants inside my parish. They're called my friends. And my family. Uh, so, but I understand that, there's, uh, that you guys are going through a bit of a reorg. Uh, now, I, we don't have to get into the details of the reorg, but I just want to, I want to get a sense of how, do you, how does that impact you as a pastor? How does it impact the parish? And then what are some of the things you might be doing to make sure it's a healthy transition? Well, I do want to get into the details of the reorg because <laughs> I, I want to blame uh, you guys primarily. <laughs> you put us in this situation you back here by, the bar with you? <laughs> by bringing Rob McDowell, the superstar, on to, uh, well, we're kind of sharing him. It's about three-quarter time. He still hangs out with you a little. Uh, at DR and yeah. a quarter time. We were able, I was able to negotiate you back so <laughs> I could still keep him for some of his uh, great expertise on my senior leadership yeah. team. and. And helping with preaching support, which is which is so awesome and so much fun. Uh, because of Rob moving over, we had this hole <laughs> with our, he had been leading our operations team. And so we decided to actually merge a couple of teams together. And, and we've gone from four teams back down to three teams, which is where we were when I actually came on board about three years ago. Uh, but a whole bunch of different people, right? Mm. And so we're actually in a forming stage again. And Ron, you talk about this so much, the psychology of teams <laughs> forming, storming, norming, performing, adjourning. And, and we're, we're at that place again. Yeah. And I am so impressed by my team, formerly called the clergy team. Now I think we're calling it worship and sacraments team. Cool. Uh, I'm doing the worst at for, going through this forming stage. But I'm so impressed by Kate, who's leading, uh, we're calling it the mission support team. And so everything from the office and finance and the building, but also communications and AV. Oh, cool. And then Bill is leading what we're calling the disciple formation team. And so all the, that frontline ministry stuff, kids, youth, alpha, discipleship groups, and uh, I'm probably forgetting something. Uh, the most and, important one. Yeah, sacraments. <laughs> and, yeah, anyways, and so they're doing such a beautiful job. When they meet as teams, they're taking the time to... Kate was just saying the other day how... They're, they're doing highs and lows, and then and they're just, hey, what are the things that you're working on? And you, and just starting to understand, oh, that's how so-and-so spends their day. I had no idea. How right. cool is that? And, right. and just growing in, in admiration for one another, starting to gel, spending a significant time praying together as a team, uh, rather than the tendency, which you know I fall into so often, is we got a long list of tactical decisions we've got to go through and and hammer through, and, and let's just do the list. Uh, but, but and assume both, that we're going to be okay, and that, you know, that everybody gets the culture and knows all because we do. We make assumptions, don't we? And then we focus on the to-do list. But Absolutely. Absolutely. And so they're doing uh, such a good job, both Bill and Kate, in leading their teams. And, and we've been able to have a few really important, crucial conversations just to, just to set the table. Not like a mm. heavy conversation, but to say, hey, as we begin, let's be attentive to some of these things, some of these dynamics on our team, mm. because 
we want to talk about this now before we get in the middle of a storm. Because it's going to happen. It's going to happen. It's not <laughs> if, but, but when. And so we want to be ready yeah. and, and start to invest and put trust in the bank now so that, so that we're, we're, we're So there. we're on. With, 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 I mean, St. Benedict's a big parish, a big parish with, with a lot of staff. Yes. Uh, for smaller parishes, do they have to go through stuff like this? Is forming part of what, what, what happens with them? Yeah, and I'm glad you asked because truly no, even a ministry has to go through this. If you have a shift in personnel or volunteers and or there's a difference in mandate, there's a shift in the mandate, you really do have to be careful of the assumptions you try to bring with you. It's way better if you reform again and do it intentionally. Have those discussions about clarity of roles and things like that. I mean, the truth be known, we've grown a lot on this side. And you, mm. to your point, Rob's come over and working with us now, and we're so excited about that. But this is a different relationship for he and I in terms mm. of how we used to work before. We're not working like that anymore. And so there's assumptions that you have and discussions you need to have so that you make sure that you're, you're, you're forming trusting, vulnerably trusting relationships. You know, yeah. It's built on vulnerability-based trust. Any teams that are going to be able to withstand storms, mm-hmm. they're going to do it because they trust each other, they care about each other, and they know how to have those crucial conversations in ways that are healthy yes. so that they can work out their issues. Because we are broken. But it's our brokenness that if we're humble enough to talk about our feelings and <laughs> and how things are impacting us, and go to people without letting things do too long, yep. then I think what we can do is begin to trust each other, that when we disagree or when I'm hurt, we'll be able to resolve those issues and get back to normal quick. And that's when you can perform. That's when you can focus on the mission. And, and that's when we have the most fun and the least amount of stress. But you know what? I love coaching into it. I'm not a big fan of going through it. But truth, <laughs> <laughs> but truth be known, we are going through it too. And it just I'm thankful for it at the same time because it helps me remember how important these principles really are. And they never go away. They just you just cycle through them. Right. Well, I wanna I'm gonna cut us off here because part of the forming is you you decided to invite a, a brother priest into St. Benedict Parish, the associate priest who's now doing all the work. Uh, <laughs> so it I, wasn't just my decision, but yeah, <laughs> gratefully received him. Yeah. Gratefully yeah. received. Him, and he's a hardworking guy. And so I'd love for us to, to get a chance to talk to him and, and meet him a bit. So we'll, we'll be right back and we'll, we'll introduce you to Alex Pilati. It is so cool to be in studio with not one priest, but two priests. And the second one is Father Alex Pilati. Father Alex, welcome to the podcast. Thanks. Uh, thanks, Dan. It's awesome to be here. I'm so excited. Uh, I'm a little bit nervous, but uh, yeah, I know this is so great. Wonderful you know why? Experience. You know why you're nervous? Yeah, tell because, me. Because so listeners won't know this, but um, <laughs> three of us are color coordinated in black shirts today. And Ron, you're, Ron. you're, you're, you're on that side of the bar wearing blue. Ron, and, <laughs> and so you're a bit scary looking. You're, you're, yeah. you know? Intimidating. Yeah, black's not scary. It's like the other, <laughs> another team snuck in. It's like <laughs> Blue avatar over here. <laughs> so, Father Alex, it really is great to have you on uh, because you've been, you've been here local in Halifax for a little while. Uh, I think we might have talked about you on the podcast, but we Probably. never actually brought you on. Okay. So, so what brought you to Halifax? What brought me to Halifax? Well, uh, I heard you were here, Dan, and I just wanted <laughs> to come see what you were up to. And, uh, no, I'm Sorry I mean, to disappoint. <laughs> yeah. Well, it hasn't been a disappointment. It's been uh, better than I ever expected. I came here. Uh, just I'm newly or- ordained. I was ordained May 5th. And uh, I came out here to uh, work with Father Simon, to be apprenticed by him, taught by him. 
So you're um, like the divine renovation apprentice apprentice. That's right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> got it. Hey, that's I look for book title, future book title. Future book title. Yes. That's awesome. <laughs> divine renovation. DR Apprentice Squared. Yeah. <laughs> that's cool. Yeah, so. I, I see that as being a big seller, even probably better than the, than the prequel. Well, <laughs> it's, hard to, it's hard to improve on that, but we'll see. We'll see. That's beautiful. So what? help me understand what it's like, Father Alex, to be both a baby priest coming into, into the priesthood at the same time as stepping into a parish like St. Benedict Parish and working alongside a guy named like Father Simon. What's that like? Terrifying. <laughs> Terrifying. No, it's, it's, it's so awesome. I mean, I, I honestly, I feel like people t- ask me all the time, hey, Alex, like, how does it feel? What's it like? And I say, I'm living the dream. Like, I really am. It's like, uh, when, when uh, you know, our general superior approached me and he just asked me, uh, we had started to have conversations about where I was going to get sent. And mm. he just said, hey, where would you like to go? And uh, right away, I, I saw St. Benedict with Father Simon. I thought, um, that's, that's, oh, that's a place cool. I'd, I'd like to go for a whole mm. variety mm. of reasons. Uh, and it's amazing. As, as a first-time priest, a new priest, newly, newly ordained, uh, it is a little terrifying. Uh, I'll freely admit that. Yeah. I mean, everything's new. Mm. Everything's exciting. Um, and, uh, you know, and I'm still learning what it's like to be a priest. It's, it's all mm. just so new. But uh, I'm so excited, and yeah, it's been amazing. It has I, I got learned to, so much. I got to be with Father Alex when he did his first anointing of the sick. So for for a priest, that's pretty commonplace. Yep. But I was right there with you the very first time. Somebody mm. who's on their deathbed and and being able to give them the sacrament, and wow. it was it was beautiful. And it, I think it was like I was be able, be able to walk through those early moments of my own priesthood. I've been ordained nine years now, which is not not a ton of time to write home about, but it's but yeah. it's something. But to relive some of those early things again through your eyes, it's been beautiful for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What's it been like uh, as you've as you've sort of engaged with the Saint Benedict Parish community? Have have they been welcoming? Like, I, I help me understand what is it yeah. like for a priest coming into sure. Saint Benedict? What yeah, that I like? mean, so <laughs> you know, I show up in my first weekend debut, you know, uh, I'm introduced and Father Simon makes fun of me in front of the whole parish, of course. Uh, calls me the baby priest and, you know, there's a picture of me on a, my head on a baby's body. Uh, and then and then I'm standing out, I remember, you know, standing outside the doors, uh, greeting people as they come out after Mass. It's just like this mass of like 600 people coming at me and right. it's just overwhelming, right? It's just like, and I don't know anybody. I don't know anyone's names. And they're telling me their names. And I'm like, okay, yeah, um, great to meet you. I'll see you when I see you. You know, like, how, I can't possibly remember everyone's names. And it's just all, everything is so new. Um, and I, I'm really going through like a paradigm shift, right? I, I'm meeting people, uh, uh, women in their 80s uh, saying, calling me father. Like, mm. that's just, it's so, it's hard to wrap my mind around that, mm. right? Because now I'm, I've moved from a place where, like, basically I've been a student in seminary for seven years uh, to now a place where I'm, people just look at me. I'm a spiritual father, whether or not I'm good at it, right? Yeah. I'm just, uh, by virtue of, of, of ordination, I'm a leader, whether or not I'm good at it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so everything's new, and I have so much to learn, and it's, it's, it is, it's scary. But uh, I'm surrounded by amazing people, St. Benedict parishioners, um, Father Simon, the staff, amazing team. Uh, um, it's just, yeah, I'm so blessed to be there. You know, it's not everybody's experience either, Father Alex. I'm happy for you. I, I thought it was, I didn't know that you would, you would ask to come 
because we couldn't have asked for a better mm. fit. Like mm. just as a parishioner watching you two work together and throw each other under the bus during homilies. Very similar. But, um, you know, I know we've also had some priests that had come out of the seminary and their first assignment wasn't one that mm. they necessarily had a role model that they could look up to or a church that was alive. And I know that that can be hard. Um, but even when it's good, even when it's exciting, it's still hard. It's, it's still, still a paradigm hard. shift. Yeah. It's, like yeah. emotionally, what's that been like? Yeah, well, uh, uh, you know, like uh, even I haven't done a funeral yet and I haven't done a marriage yet. And I've done my first baptism at St. Benedict. Uh, and it just came out today. You know, there's a funeral to do on Wednesday. And, it, and even the thought of that caused anxiety. Like, yeah. I haven't done this before. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I want to do it because I want to learn and I want to grow and I want to serve God and his people, of course, uh, of course. But uh, yeah, it's just like it, all these experiences, uh, preaching in front of, uh, you know, I went from preaching my last, so as a deacon, I got assigned to this little inner city parish in Detroit, and we had 80 people on the weekend. So like I that's a total total like at both the masses at both combined. the masses oh, okay. 80 people. <laughs> yes, that's a total. So I went from preaching uh, to 80 people once a month now to preaching to 1,500 people in a weekend. And it's, it's like emotionally, you know, I remember sitting one day, uh, I was presiding at Mass and preaching, and I was sitting there uh, in, 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 uh, in the chair, and I had, and it was during one of the readings, and I fantasized like just walking out and leaving <laughs> Literally, like I'm not, I'm not even joking, right? It was like, it's terrifying. Uh, and then I had to get up and deliver this message, right? Uh, to the people of God. And uh, it's all of it. It's terrifying. It is. It's terrifying, yeah. right? Uh, and so, yeah, just again, paradigm shift, paradigm shift. It's all paradigm shifts, yeah. right? Going from a place where uh, in seminary, yeah, it, yeah, it just, it, it's all new, right? It's all new. And uh, yeah, emotional highs and lows and excitement and fears. All my insecurities are coming yeah. out, all that stuff, right? So Father, Father Simon was talking a little bit about the forming happening at St. Benedict Parish right now. And you must be part of that mix. And I know, I know at St. Benedict, there's a senior leadership team mm-hmm. that sort of leads that parish. Now, are you on that senior leadership team? Yeah, I am. Uh, I, I, don't, <laughs> I don't have a lot of input at this point, right, <laughs> as I learn and... Uh, but I, yeah, I remember uh, sitting my first SLT meeting, uh, senior leadership team meeting. Uh, I was sitting there and, you know, everyone's talking uh, and, and, you know, there's a discussion going on. And again, I, I'm coming from a place where I don't have the context, so I don't have much to contribute, and, and, but I'm following and learning. And all of a sudden, uh, Father Simon and one of the SLT members are in a conversation. And I'm like, Wait a second. We're in a crucial conversation right now. Like <laughs> I didn't even change. I didn't even see it happen. I didn't see it come on. And suddenly, uh, Father Simon's having a crucial conversation with an ELSA team member. So that was like my first introduction to the senior leadership. They eased team, you in, did right? they? <laughs> we planned that. We actually, we choreographed the whole thing. Yeah. So no. what is it like being in an SLT? I mean, for for a priest who's who's both new to mm-hmm. uh, to being in parish ministry and and also being on a senior leadership team in that kind of environment, what, what's that experience like? Uh, it, again, it, it's awesome and it's scary. Uh, it's intimidating. You know, my, I, sitting in there and, and we have an amazing team, we, right? Bill Scollard, uh, Kate Robinson, Father Simon, uh, and Rob McDowell, and incredible, gifted people, bright people, intelligent people. And sitting there, I'm like, 
man, I'm the dumbest guy in the room. <laughs> no, and, and I'm not used to that feeling, right? <laughs> oh, I am. You'll get over it. <laughs> I'm getting used to it. I'm getting used to it. Uh, and so, uh, and so, I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm working with people who are excellent at what they're at what they do. Mm. They're amazing. They're in love with God. They're in love with the mission. Uh, and man, it's just like I feel. I'm just so lucky. Uh, and I'm just trying to be a sponge and soak it all up, you know? And every once in a while, I'll say something stupid and contribute to the conversation. But <laughs> so, so there's a bit of false humility because yes, Father Alex is, I, agree. I would say, in 10 weeks, has he's seeing things, he's got insights that it's taken me about 10 years to figure out. So seriously, right. mm-hmm. this, this man is, is extremely gifted. But I just want to circle back, you know, so you mentioned this crucial conversation we were in. I do remember it. I don't remember the, the topic even, but I remember being in it and the feeling, and it's never fun. It's always a bit awkward, but, but it was, uh, how did it feel for you? And, and what did you do afterwards? Yeah. To I, follow up. Or? So I've been in, you know, I've seen awkward conversations and conflict and, and it usually, you know, the, you know, the experience, right? You start to kind of, oh man, like I shouldn't be here. Mm-hmm. I'd like to get out of the room right now. These two people can work it out. Uh, but it didn't feel like that at all. It was, it was, comfortable it wasn't awkward it wasn't embarrassing and um you know i you know father simon noticed like there was some tension around a particular issue and and father simon you know uh kudos to him he just he's like hey uh, i'm kind of getting a sense like there's a little pushback or or tension around this uh let's let's drill down on that like why are you feeling that way and he just sat there and he listened as the person kind of brought some things, and he's like, okay, and, and they just talked it out right then and there. Mm-hmm. They, they kind of worked it out, and, and I just remember, like, this is amazing. This is the team I'm a part of where it's okay to have conflict. Mm-hmm. Uh, no one has to feel embarrassed about it. Like, like this is normal, right? And, and for me, just that concept blew me away, and I remember I went mm-hmm. to talk to the person with whom the, the sort of crucial conversation happened, and I said, hey, I just want to really affirm you for your courage in being open and vulnerable and honest and, and like, hey, what was that like for you? And, and they just said, hey, like, I am so thankful that we have Father Simon and his leadership um, that it's okay to have these conversations. And, and it's a place where I feel safe and I, we can do that, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, Simon Sinek uh, said something recently. He said, a team is not a group of people who work together, but a, pe- a, team, a group of people who trust each other. And that's what I saw that day at my first SLT meeting. It's beautiful to experience it, isn't it? Because you think, you know, in terms of your work-life experience and stuff before you join the priesthood or what have you, not a lot of teams have that level of health. And I remember when I was speaking in Australia, I don't know how many people came up to me and said, everything you've just talked about, I'm going to apply to my business. You know, because there were lay people there who work for a living. And all these principles. Can you imagine if businesses function Mm. like this? Mm. You know? I, I just was in one this morning. It's kind of my middle name is Crucial Conversation. I think, <laughs> I think they kind of say the, 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 the more leadership you, you end up with, the, the more this is normal. And, and so I've just come to accept it. <laughs> it's it's yeah. part of my life. And so this was a, an interesting one involving four people. And I have to say, we, we booked an hour. We probably took closer to two hours. And it was a 10 out of 10. And it just, it felt so good walking out of it, Mm. thinking, and and one other person mentioned this before we ended, like, think about the kind of culture that we have, where else would this kind of a conversation, where would it be safe to have 
and talk so openly and vulnerably mm. and, and grow together. It's exciting. I, I love it. I really do. So, so Father Alex, with not only SLT, I suspect that's not your only contribution at the parish. I've heard you preach, but you must be taking on some ministries as well. Yeah, so, I mean, again, it's all new, and I'm slowly being onboarded. Uh, and I just was court, sort of, uh, we just had a ministry handoff uh, in baptismal prep. Okay. Uh, and so uh, that's been, you know, a really cool experience. We're just at the beginning of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, yeah, it, it, it so much to learn, right? I learn these new lessons every day. And I, I would just remember, uh, you know, as reflecting on that sort of ministry handoff, uh, I was just thinking, like, uh, basically what happened was there was a meeting, uh, and, and the meeting wasn't for the ministry handoff. It was to help other uh, members. We were invited a bunch of potential new members of the baptismal prep, and so it was sort of a presentation to them about what we do and why we do what we do and sort of some of the roles. Uh, and and so that the handoff kind of happened leading up to this meeting, and so we announced it at that meeting, right, that I would be sort of bus driving the baptismal prep ministry. And I remember just thinking after, uh, I feel like I missed an opportunity. Like I, I kind of dropped the ball uh, because, um, it, you know, w- whenever there's a handoff, right, there's, there's all kinds of different assumptions and questions in the people like who are on the team, True. right? Like who's this new guy? Like I'm new to the parish mm-hmm. and I'm new to the ministry. They don't know much about me. They don't know my expectations. They don't know if my view vision is in alignment with their vision. Uh, and so the, the handoff was basically like Alex is going to be driving this after as of the end of this meeting. And that was kind of it. Wow, but, there's a bomb. Right, right. right. And I, I thought to myself, like, I should have asked if I could, you know, say something and, and you know, I thanked, you know, the team for the amazing work that they do. Um, and just sort of explain, yeah, like, I'm not here to change anything. I'm here to help uh, just move this thing forward and encourage you and support you and, and learn from you in, in the great things that, that you've been doing through baptismal prep. And, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, so. Well, I, I think, too, Alex, and, and for anybody listening, like, this is a great conversation because it's okay that that happened. Mm-hmm. But it's not just you either. Like, I think to myself, as the leader that was running that before, like, what could the team learn differently? Right. Right. Like, I appreciate that you're taking that on, but I hope everybody's taking that on because mm-hmm. we can do transitions better. Right. And right. so as a, as an entire staff, we need to think through like when we're transitioning, Hey, if we blew one, that's okay. Right. Mm-hmm. Because we're going to make mistakes, mm-hmm. but can we learn from those mistakes so that we can transition well? Because transitioning is really important because yeah. it, it brings instability sometimes. Sure. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what you're picking up on. Yeah. But I, but I hope that your whole team is, uh, you know, the whole team is thinking through those things because mm-hmm. these are great learnings. Yeah. And it's fun that we're even talking about it. So if anybody's listening and you're about to go through a transition or you just went through a transition, ask yourself those questions. Be aware of what, how you're feeling mm-hmm. and, and talk it out so that you can learn from it so that you, we can be great at transitions. Yeah. You, you know, yeah. We, we talked this through a bit and I asked you to even write, write a bit of a reflection of what you're learning from this because it was... Yeah. rich. It's rich learning you'll never get from a book, right? Uh, to be in the midst of it. 
And I think back, that's this is such a, a micro example. I remember your your kind of your shoulders were or something <laughs> like, oh man, I blew, I blew <laughs> I that. that, that. Yeah. It's like it's not a big deal. No. It's you know, the next meeting you'll pick it up and 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 run with it. I know. But I think back to that macro example of the transition that we experienced yes. at at a as a parish with Father James handing off the baton to me mm-hmm. as pastor. And looking back, there was such a blessing of the spirit and and I'm so grateful to Father James for the way that he did that. And I, mm. he, he at every opportunity, when, when this t- subject came up, he said, hey, uh, Father Simon, he's going to be leading, and he's going to be amazing, and he's got the gifts that, that we need mm. for yeah. right he, now. He was setting you up. He for was setting you up mm. constantly yeah. doing that. And then the thing that I hated was he, he said, hey, I want you to, to give a, a vision uh, talk oh, right. <laughs> at the leadership summit, yeah. and I hadn't even become pastor yet. I was like, I don't want to do that. I'm not a visionary. I don't know how to do that stuff. And he pushed me, he forced me, and I'm so grateful that he did because it it got me out of my comfort zone, but and it started to get me in touch with what am I passionate about, and started giving me permission to dream. And and as I I gave that talk and then gave it later as a homily to the parish as a whole, um, what he had done was he had intentionally created space for people to hear my voice and hear my heart and get a bit of a sense of me, who I am, and what I'm going to be like as leader. Now, of course, we're constantly changing and growing and, yeah. and learning, but that just that little opportunity missed, like to yeah. have people hear Father Alex's voice mm. and what's his heart mm. for baptism prep and your, your, whatever that is, your passion for, for seeing children and their, their families coming, coming to Christ and and this being one step on the journey, or whatever. Mm. But, but anyways, wonderful learnings, mm. wonderful learnings. Mm. Yeah, I remember how intentional Father James was. around. He literally had a vision mm. for what transition could look like. And it was interesting because I didn't necessarily, I didn't, I, I didn't even think about it. And then as he's unpacking it and talking about the things that he was going to do, I, you know, I was just like, I wouldn't even have thought of half of those yeah, things. So yeah. to be able to talk about them as a team to figure it out and, and what, what are the best platforms to communicate different things because it may not be just that one meeting there might be pre-meetings like so we need to think about strategically who's going to be impacted how are they going to be impacted and how do we set everybody up for success so if you're the one transitioning out you need to ask yourself how can I set my team and the person who's going to replace me up for the best success right that's what we have to be asking ourselves as we pass the baton right right right? like how can I do that in a way that you have wild success and people can anticipate your positive impact in their life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. So Father Alex, my, <clears throat> pardon me, the, the primary way I've experienced uh, your priesthood so far is when you've gotten up and given killer homilies. <laughs> True. <laughs> you have a real gift thanks, at homiletics. Thanks, like you are a great it. preacher. So uh, help me understand. I mean, St. Benedict has a bit of an odd way of approaching some of these things. Right. So how, how have you fit into to the sort of the patterns of that? Yeah, uh, again, uh, so much about uh, St. Benedict is is unique, and I don't think it should be unique. It should be normative, right? Mm, the the yeah. things we do at St. Benedict should be normal everywhere in the church. Uh, and one of them is preaching, right? Uh, for us at St. Benedict, preaching is a, it's a team sport, right? Whereas everywhere else I've ever seen it done, uh, you know, 
whoever is in charge of preaching just kind of goes off on their own. They go into the scriptures and they read and they prepare a homily and nobody knows what he's going to say <laughs> until <laughs> Sunday morning. Right? Surprise! Surprise! Sometimes And if there's any feedback, it's like after the fact when it's too late. Oh, good, good, right? fo- good, good homily, Father. Yeah, good yeah, homily, yeah father. exactly. <laughs> so, uh, but at, at St. Benedict, like it's a, it, it really is a team sport. It's amazing. You know, uh, whether so, you know, we've got Rob McDowell, who's amazing. He sends incredible notes. Uh, I'll sit down. I'll have a chat with him and we'll just talk about like what's going on in the scriptures, scriptures, what we're trying to communicate, what the goal is. Um, And then uh, part of uh, what we do is the the worship and sacraments team. We gather on Wednesdays and we'll do a Lexio Divina as part of our prayer together. And people are sharing their insights uh, about the scriptures for that weekend. And I always get, it's always blows me away what people say, right? Like the insights they come up with. And then, uh, and then I, you know, I'll continue writing or whatever. And then I'll often have a conversation with Father Simon. Uh, and I just find that so helpful when you're able to talk through mm-hmm. ideas, like really focus on what am I trying to say? What's the why? Why is it important? And what do I want them to do, right? We talked about that. Uh, that's written uh, in the book, Divine Renovation, The Three Questions. Uh, And just find that brings so much clarity. And then I deliver the message Saturday night, and often I'll get some feedback after and and tweak it for Sunday morning. So, I I, I mean, I can't take credit. If the homilies are good, it's because the team is good. You know, that's Mm -hmm. really what it comes down to. How do you write your jokes? (laughs) 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 Oh, man. You could use some help in that department. (laughs) I know. I'm dying I want to be funny. I want to be funny. Oh, yeah. You know, honestly, humor, I find, is the hardest part. I agree. It's the hardest part of the homily. Uh, And it's the last part. In some ways, I'm like, sometimes I'm sitting there and I'm reading through this. I'm like, gosh, this homily is so boring. Lord, please help me be funny. <laughs> like, give me something. And you know what? Sometimes it's it's hilarious. Sometimes I'll just like I'll get an inspiration just yeah. after making a prayer like that. Why <laughs> is humor? Why do you think humor is important? Humor is so important because um, well, it engages people in your message. It draws them in. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you don't capture people's attention in the first few minutes, then everything else you have to say is pointless because they're not listening. Mm-hmm. Right? You've lost them. So humor is important because it engages them. It draws them in. Um, but also think that, uh, you know, strategically placed humor opens people to receive the next thing you have to say, yeah. right? And it breaks up the message so that it's not all hard and long. And uh, it just, it really facilitates, I think, um, preaching the word of God, right? If we want to, if, if the word of God is a seed we want to sow in people's hearts, we have to get their hearts open. And humor is a tool. Right, it's an instrument for that. Well, I think we're all so grateful for the way you've uh, you've blessed us with your homilies, you've blessed mm-hmm. us with your preaching, and the way you've blessed our community by joining mm-hmm. us. So, thank you, Father Alex, right, for being thanks. part of Saint Benedict Parish and being part of Divine Renovation. Well, it's amazing to be here. It's amazing to be able to work with you and learn from you. And I'm surrounded by amazing people. So, I thank you for your work and your commitment to moving uh, parishes and ministries for maintenance and mission. Oh, amen. So if you're interested in learning more about Divine Renovation, you can check us out on our website. That's www.divinerenovation.net. Uh, I'd ask for your prayers. Uh, we've got a big conference coming up in Chicago, and it would just be great mm-hmm. if we could if we could encourage you to pray for us. It, it feels like it's a really big event, and our team is working hard to pull it together, and so is the, the archdiocese there in Chicago. And finally, if you haven't yet chosen to commit yourself to mission, 
Uh, or if you have chosen to commit yourself to mission and haven't clicked the button on our website, I'd encourage you to do so. In part, it's one way for us to, to connect with you, to give you information. We have a newsletter that we send out, and we just would love you to be on that list so that you can stay in touch with the kinds of things that we're up to. And, and just God bless you as, you as you continue to embrace being a missional parish. <laughs>